This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we talk about what it's like to be a Christian Monday through Saturday, to live as a person of faith and a culture against faith. Hey, um, so this is going to be a little bit longer of an episode. Um, I apologize in advance, um, but this is a really important conversation, and, and we want you guys to, to stick with us through it. So if, if you're listening to this on your way to work, um, please tune back in when you get a chance. Um, whatever the situation may be, if you can't finish all of it in one sitting, please come back to it because you're going to want to hear the end of this. What's up, everybody? This is Let's Talk. And uh, so we're talking today about can a Democrat be a Christian? Yeah. And uh, so I got to talk a bit about this real quick. Go ahead. (laughs) When Cullen pitched this idea to me, I had a little bit of a panic attack. <laughs> I was like, dude, we are going to piss off so many people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the more we talked about it, the more we realized that this conversation needs to happen. This is a conversation that people need to hear. And so one of the overgeneralized issues that come with the, the, the term Democrat is opening yeah. the borders. Right. Yeah. Immigration language, the, the, the issues there. Um, so what overall does scripture kind of talk about related to the immigrant? Yeah. Okay. So I think, I think that's a fair question. Uh, and I want to get to that. I'll, but before we get there, I want, I want to make this kind of clarifying point that um, in any categorization of people, there's a spectrum. Right. So even Absolutely. in the term Democrat, um, if I say to four different people who are Democrats that they're Democrats, in their mind, they don't all match up on paper. Yeah. Like there's a scale here of people. And so we understand that. We're not naive to the fact that sure. Democrat is a moving target. But by and large, for this conversation... I'm going to assume that Democrat is the modern Democrat placed in the middle of the party. So not the conservative Democrat who's borderline Republican and not the extreme who's borderline Marxist. Like I'm going to say that Democrat is the modern Democrat. Yeah. And so to that point, I think the modern Democrat would have a more open and accepting position of immigration issues. Yeah. I think that's safe to say. And so to your question, your question was, what what does the Bible have to say about immigration? Because to reiterate last week's episode, we should be using scripture to inform our politics, not reading our politics into scripture. Absolutely. Scripture should be a worldview, not your political party alignment. Right. So, yeah. So to your question, what does scripture have to say about immigration? Quite a lot quite a lot um it it would take multiple episodes just to dive into what scripture has to say about immigration foreigners and aliens and maybe this is a topic we come back to to fully like explore it i think we may have to uh because it has a whole lot to say about it it does but one verse that i want to highlight for you is in leviticus 19 so 
If you don't know, Leviticus is a book about how to conduct yourself as a God-fearing person in the ancient world, yeah. specifically in the Old Testament, right? So when we get to the New Testament, a few things change, specifically in the sacrificial system. In the Old Testament, we have hard, strict sacrificial laws. Right. Uh, Jesus takes the place of those, and the temple opens, so we're no longer trying to ascend ourselves to the inner works of the temple. We now have the temple dwelling in us, so that's you know Paul's kind of help there. For, for the people who don't know... That was when the veil was torn, right? The yeah, veil so the at, temple. at Jesus' offering of his life, the, the curtain between the holy and the holy of holies is torn from the top down, right? Right. So I think there's a lot that happens there. Uh, specifically, that's the same language that used with the baptism of Jesus, that the heavens were torn open. But yeah, so ultimately, like a lot of things happen in the expression there that change, but in the... Old Testament, Leviticus is the place where you go if you want to learn what you got to do to act like a Christian or if yeah. you want to act like a God-fearing person. And this is in Leviticus 19, beginning in verse 33. It says, When an alien resides with you in your land, you shall not oppress the alien. The alien who resides with you shall be to you as the citizen among you. You shall love the alien as yourself, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So right off the bat, God says, look, man, you know what it's like to be an alien? Welcome the alien. Yeah. Like, and, and not Absolutely. just welcome them, like consider them. And, and this is a shall clause for all my legal people out there. Shall clauses matter. The alien who resides with you shall be to you as the citizen among you. Like, so even in the Old Testament, we have, there is no Jew nor Greek language. Yeah. It's just overlooked. Yeah. But like, actually, God is quite concerned with the alien, the foreigner, the immigrant. And he says, clearly, he, he grounds it in something. He says, because you yourself were an alien in Egypt. Yeah. So for any of our listeners who don't know the Old Testament narrative, there comes a time in the history of Israel where they are taken captive at the end of Genesis and they become slaves in Egypt. And when that happens, that's where Exodus begins. Exodus is titled after the main narrative of the book, which is the exodus of the people of God from enslavement in Egypt and, and their pilgrimage to the promised land. So God, from the very beginning, is concerned with the foreigner, the immigrant. Like, yeah. Jesus cares about that person. Absolutely. It, it's a perfect show of... God's restorative justice. Yeah, for sure. So, do you want to do you want to walk that out? Yeah, what restorative justice. Yeah, because like, I don't think I don't think our listeners know. Sure, R restorative justice is the idea that through God's grace, He is restoring people to a, a place of equity. Um, yes, and, and which is amazing, right? And, yeah, and we, for sure. We have seen. I'm I'm not gonna go into a, a specific 
example here, um, but we have seen in in recent, really recent history, um, a story very similar to this. Um, well, I guess I'm just gonna do it. Um, the 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 caravan um, coming from all the way across South America. Oh, coming yeah, to yeah. the border. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and there are some Democrats that would say that what happened at the border was unjust. Yes, unjust, wrong, yep. Which leads me into a scripture that I was looking for, which all of our watchers on YouTube are going to see me on my phone. I promise I was listening. I was just looking for this first. <laughs> Clayton was doing that thing that we all do when we listen. We half listen while we look up how we're going to respond to that person. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Don't look at me as an example. <laughs> but um, do what I say, not as I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this verse in, in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 27.19 says, Cursed be anyone who deprives the alien, the orphan, and the widow of justice. All the people shall say amen. Cursed. Cursed. That is strong, strong language, isn't it? It is strong language. I will I will go ahead and tell our listeners and to any of my friends and former professors, I'm sorry that my Hebrew is not better, but I can tell you, just knowing a little bit about the Hebrew language, cursed is a very strong word. I know nothing about Hebrew. So yeah. <laughs> all I know is that in English... If you are cursed, that literally, like, I think about the, like, a plague on someone's household. Oh, yeah, right? for sure. I, I think about, I mean, we're in spooky season right now. So, um, I think, uh, like, Halloween type stories. I think ghost stories. Oh, yeah. So Like, and it, bad it, things happen. And it says, cursed be anyone. Anyone. Not, anyone. So, that, that not, puts it, that, that puts it not in a corporate element, but, it, but in an individual element. Cursed be anyone yeah. who deprives the alien, the foreigner, the immigrant. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it also adds there, which is a, a bit of a plug for something that we care about here at, at Wellhouse, um, the orphan and the widow. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, care for the orphan, care for the widow. But before it says those two things, it makes sure... You note the immigrant, the immigrant, the the alien. There's yeah. that word. So in that's the that's a very unique place because we often see in scripture this thing. It's now been dubbed the quartet of the vulnerable, which um, ends up being four categories of people. It's the orphan, the widow, the immigrant, and the general oppressed. Yeah, and so it's unique that we didn't see the general oppressed there. Uh, yeah, but we saw other the three other elements, and we saw very strong language about how God cares about those categories of people. Yeah, for sure. And, and it, from a, a a a social work perspective, those three categories mentioned there are extremely oppressed mm. and face discrimination. Oh yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, when you just look at statistics, we see that those three categories face discrimination, right? 
and, and we're going to throw in LGBTQ individuals. We're going to throw oh, yeah. in. They uh, would be oppressed. Yeah. We're going to throw in um, racial minorities. Yeah. Right? They would be oppressed. And the, they might be immigrants. And and they very well might be immigrants. Right. Um, people from other religions that are non-Orthodox Christianity. They would be oppressed. They are oppressed people. So I th- And to some extent, I just want to bring that full circle. Um, tech, statistically, Native Americans would now be ethnic minorities. Which is insane. <laughs> this is their land. Like, we took we, it. We took them. it. Yeah. Uh, the immigrants overtook their land. Which is something that everyone has heard. And no one cares about. Right. Everyone has heard this this next thing that I'm about to say as well is that we were all immigrants once. Except right? if you're full-blooded Native Except American. Except <laughs> if you're full-blooded Native American. Yeah. Right. We were all immigrants once, or majority of us yeah. were immigrants once. Yeah, that's fair. So if you put that into perspective, think about if it was you. Mm. Oh, we, yeah. we talk about this... We I, did we talk about this in last week's Let's Talk episode where we talked about um, putting yourself. No, it was last week's Closer Look, where we we talked about gaining a perspective of the person that you're judging. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that was yeah, that, that was, was last week's or Closer Look. Last yeah. week was when we, were, yes, yeah, it was last week's episode. Um, so my point in saying that is when it comes to the immigrant, put yourself in their shoes. Yeah, for sure. Think about what it would be like to come into a new country where you don't know the language, you don't have a job, you may not have family. Yeah. Think about what that would be like. Well, and I want to remind our listeners, for those of you that don't remember, um, I don't fully remember exactly where it is, but you could Google it and it's in second Corinthians, but Paul tells us that we are aliens, foreigners and immigrants in this land. Amen. That, that we are not citizens here, that our citizenship is in heaven. And so we, we think about how Christians are treated and not not so much in America. I want to be very careful here because I, I know people in actually oppressed and persecuted countries. Um, We are not persecuted here. To to all my fundamentalist brothers and sisters, you being asked to wear a mask in church is not persecution. You being asked to wear a mask at all, whether it's at HEB or Piggly Wiggly or or Walmart, wherever you shop. 7-Eleven. It is not persecution. And you should wear a mask. Yeah, like, like we are not persecuted. No. Grow up a little bit. I'm sorry if I'm hurting people's feelings here. Grow up. We are not persecuted. People lose their lives for their faith. Yes. We are not persecuted. No. And a part of being in church leadership is saying the hard things. Yeah, for sure. I, um, I think so. I it, think saying it in grace and love, absolutely, um, for sure. But to to a certain point, you have to say enough is enough. And like, right, we we are not persecuted. And so with yeah. that, like, it's important for us to remember that when Paul says we're immigrants and foreigners in our own in in this land, 
Like we're foreigners and immigrants in this land. What's that building 429 song? Um, uh, where I belong. <laughs> uh, oh, I this is not where I belong. Yeah. Right. Uh, so for our listeners, I am not good with <laughs> lyrics or memories in general. Like my Greek and Hebrew paradigms, I'm going to take those with me to my grave, like arbitrary things, but like actual things that are important. I'm not going to remember those. Music is a part of my job. So yeah, that's true. That's true. Music so, is a part of your job. But, um, I, that's a really old song and I hope we don't get hit because I sing those lyrics on YouTube, but creative license, bro. You're good. Um, so, uh, I think about that song. It's super old, but yeah, I don't, that's early, early two thousands, maybe late nineties, potentially. No, it's early two thousands. Maybe it was I'm on there. Let's speak album or something like that. I don't know. I'm um, going to look this up that cause I remember maybe early two thousands. Maybe yeah, so. I think it was early two thousands. Um, because I was almost in youth when that song came out. Really? When it came out? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. I think. Um, fact check us on this. Um, but the, the thing about that song, I, th I think about that song and think about the idea that this is not where we belong. Yeah. We belong in heaven. Well, we belong well, in eternity. In eternity. Right. Yeah. I want right. to, I want to clarify that. This, Absolutely. It's probably another element. You probably need to join us on pints of perspectives at another time, but like, your idea of heaven is not Jesus's idea of heaven. And I feel pretty confident saying that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm still working through some of the fundamental language yeah. that, that was ingrained into me. Yeah. You're we still belong deconstructing. in eternity. Yeah. You're still, still deconstructing. Um, but the, the, the point that I'm trying to make with all this is think about all of the Christians worldwide. Yeah. That may or may not be coming in. Right. This world is not where they belong either. Yeah. But I can dad gum tell you that they belong with their brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. And I think, I think that's important. And this is one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about this in, in this episode is, and if you are a Republican Please hear me in love. But when I talk to Republicans about the issue of immigration, their argument is always about how do we get them to pay taxes? I'm sorry. I love you, Republicans, but that ain't worth it. Someone's life is not worth their taxes. This is the, the prime example of what we're talking about reading our politics into scripture. Right. Well, and to some extent, it's what we talked about on a closer look last week in, in Romans 14. Like we don't know their context. We don't know right. what they're running from. Yeah. They're coming here for a reason. If they were happy and satisfied in their own land, they wouldn't be coming here. Like they're running yeah. from something. Yeah. I, I'm, I feel myself starting to, to get really saddened by this. Oh yeah, um, for it, sure. Like it, it is an emotional conversation because really people's is. lives are at stake. And the 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 issue of taxes, like you said, it's not worth it. 
right? Our country is in debt right now, for sure. And it's big in debt. But it, but like, let's be careful. It ain't because of the immigrant. No. It's because we made stupid decisions. Yes. Um, and, and still make stupid decisions. Yes. I have, a, I have a way to solve that debt, but I'm going to reserve that to myself. You probably should. We're in a podcast. <laughs> um, we can talk about that later. Yeah. Or maybe we can create like an opinion podcast that's <laughs> yeah. unaffiliated yeah. with Will House. Yeah. Yeah. All things said here are not the expression of Will House Church. <laughs> not, do not represent the position of Will House Church. Uh, Just kidding. <laughs> the, what what I, I was trying to say is that let's go back to the language in Deuteronomy that we just read. Cursed is the person that does not care for the immigrant. And I know there's going to be people out there that are saying, but we do care for the immigrant. How? Yeah, so that would be my question. How? I mean, to this text, it says in verse 34, Leviticus 19.34, the alien who resides with you shall be to you as the citizen among you. If you have not cared for them to the state that they have been uh, affirmed and elevated to the position of you and your own land, you've not cared for them the way that the Old Testament says you should care for them. And that is where we can start talking about equity. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I want to establish the difference between equality and equity. Okay, go ahead. I think I think that's a fair, but go ahead. Equity I don't think I need to explain equality, right? Equality is the idea. So let's put it into the, into perspective of like a marathon or a race, right? Just math. Two things are equal. Right. Yeah. So, but I'm, I'm going somewhere with the equity. Right? Oh, okay. Go ahead. So let's put it in perspective of, of like a race. Equality is everyone starting at the, at the starting line. Oh, fair. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Fair. That's equality. But let's picture someone who is in a wheelchair or on crutches. Like, they're going to need a little bit of a head start. Equality doesn't get them there. That's equality a fair point. Yep. It's not equity. Equity is the idea that some people actually just need a bit more support. Well, equity is that everybody runs that race at the same speed. Yes. Uh, I love that analogy. I've not heard that before. That's great. I learned that from uh, Jennifer Battle. If she's watching this, which she's probably not, but um, she was my oppression, diversity, and social justice professor at U of H Clear Lake. Um, That's amazing. Jennifer Battle, you are the woman. You, You got it. That is so good. Because it's true, we we are afforded, um, and this is this is a great way. I, I would love it if you could go back to her and maybe have her, and we'll talk about on another podcast. Yeah. Um, white privilege. Oh, she would love to because do that. that that is what that is. Like that yeah. metaphor fully sums up white privilege. She's actually um, on. She's actually the director of the call center at the at the Harris Center, I believe. Okay, okay. Um so I think I can get in contact with her. Okay, but. for sure. So I think I think that's super important for our listeners um because like I what I want you to understand is that 
Um, Jesus cares for the immigrant to the level that he cares for you. Yes. And he wants to move beyond taxes or written documentation status because he cares for the individual, not for how the individual conforms to society. Yeah. Uh, which is how most of our immigration conversations go. Yeah. And I think for, for me, another level of this conversation especially as we begin to talk about immigration actually leads us to a very common story in the new Testament, which pervades our society today, which is the good Samaritan. Right. Um, for those of you who don't know, this story is recorded, uh, and it's a one of a kind story in Luke chapter 10. And because of time we've, uh, we're going to run over on this episode, but it's okay because it's been good. Um, uh, an expert in the law comes to Jesus and he says, hey, what what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Now, there are a few things wrong with this story here, and my preacher is coming out, but he says, what do I have to do? Okay, well, bro, you don't have to do anything. But to another extent, when he says eternal life, he's not talking in the category that we are. We've We've read the Gospel of John. We know the eternal life is synonymous with the kingdom of God. Yes. In Luke, that's not the case. Yeah. Don't don't read eternal life in Luke and think kingdom of God. Right. It's not what he's doing. Luke's doing something different with when he says eternal life. It's the the life of the age to come. It's the good life. What do I have to do to experience the good life? Yeah. And Jesus says, What's written in the law? Like, bro, you know the law. You're the expert. And he says, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Expert, you're not so much of an expert. He's quoting Deuteronomy 6.5, which is called the Shema. It's like the anthem of the Old Testament. Right. And it doesn't talk about your mind, bro. It doesn't mention your mind. Which is puzzling. Yeah, because Jesus then says to him, you've given the right answer. Yeah. Well, like, no, Jesus, you didn't. Like, he didn't give the right answer. He actually gave the wrong answer. Or maybe to say he added something that wasn't that wasn't actually there. Yeah. But it's I think that's important to note as the story goes on because what this expert in the law, some might call him a Pharisee. Yeah. If he were in Matthew, he'd definitely be called a Pharisee. Absolutely. Um, he's resolved faith and the expression of faith to knowledge of the mind. Yeah. Which is problematic because knowledge is, I mean, faith is not about the thing you know. It's about the Jesus you experience. Amen. And so if Jesus is not a thing you know, but a thing you experience— it makes sense that Jesus would say, you've answered right. Go and do this, and you will live. It's like, okay, this, this is life. But then it seems like the whole thing is a setup because the guy goes, well, who's my neighbor? It's like he misses the point that he got it wrong. Right? It's like, but who's my neighbor, Jesus? And Jesus tells this story. He says, beginning in verse Luke 10, chapter or Luke chapter 10, verse 29, 
But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who's my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers, who stripped him, beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. So, very quickly for our listeners, that's not a common element uh, of the story that happens when people are traveling the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's a really terrible road, probably not very much wider than the width of a wagon. Like people get robbed there all the time. Like that's a common narrative. So like for our people local to Houston, that'd be like, if I said, Hey, you're traveling on I 10 West and you see someone like being beat up. Like, on the side of the freeway. Like, yeah. you you would know that road, you would identify that, and you would know that, like, that potentially may be common to that area or whatever. Like, right. this, this is not an unheard of no. narrative for someone to hear. And he says, now by, this is picking up verse 31. Now by chance a priest saw, uh, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side of the road. Yeah. Like, remember, this is only the width of a wagon. Right. It's about five or six feet. Yeah. There's no other side. No, there's not. Like, the road to Jericho and Jerusalem is carved into a mountain. Jerusalem is about a a mile and a half above sea level, up a mountain from Jericho, which is at the bottom. Yeah. Like, there's no other side. They're literally stepping over him. Yeah, because the person would have, they wouldn't sit on the mountainside, the cliff side. Yeah. They'd sit on the edge, like on the mountainside. So, like, to someone to go, quote unquote, and to our listeners, again, I'm using air quotes, but like to go on the other side, like, there is no other side. You're just trying to avoid this person. You're literally stepping over someone who's bleeding. Now, there's another element of this. Like, in Jewish law, if you touch someone who was bleeding or had open sores, you were now deemed unclean. Yeah. So you had to go through a ritual law before you could enter the city. You had to go through the, the, the baptism, right? Yeah. You, you have now become an inconvenience to me on my path to where I'm going. Right. Which, to our listeners, baptism at that time was not a, a means of salvation or it wasn't a means of, of, of ridding sin. It was a ritual. cleansing ritual. Yeah, for sure. So... But a priest, like, I'm going to pass over you, bro. Then, in verse 32, so likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Well, once again, there's no other side. Right. This is a Levite. This is a temple person, a person yeah. born of Levi, the, the group of the 12 tribes of Israel that cared and tended to the temple. Yeah. Like, these are the professional Christians. He went by on the other side. He stepped over the man in need. Verse 33. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. Mm. So if you don't know ancient culture, Jews and Samaritans are hated. So I'm going to use a a Harry Potter analogy here. (laughs) Okay, you laugh, but isn't it so good? It it is good. Okay. It is good. I know where you're going. In Harry Potter... For any of you that don't know, the the people of magic are called purebloods. Like they're the people that got it. Yeah. And if you weren't of full magic, if you were either not of magic or half magic, you were called a mudblood. 
Oh, you were a mud blood if you were oh half, half magic. You, you were a muggle, right? If you were no, it, it, yeah, that's fair. and then there were also times that they tried to be a bit more PC with it, and you were a, a muggle born rather than a right, mud blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But either so, way, so yeah, you you had you were called a mud blood if you were half born. Yeah, a Samaritan is a mud blood. They're half Jew, half other. Yeah. So like okay, and and. Just in ancient culture, they were hated. Literally, Jews hated Samaritans. This is why John chapter 4, when Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well, is so polarizing. Because not only is it a Jewish man, it's a Samaritan woman. Yeah. Like, this is scandalous stuff happening here. Yeah. And so... It's insane. The Samaritan... The non-professional Christian, the person that you hate is moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took and took care of him. So the Samaritan puts the injured Jew on his own animal, presumably a donkey. Yeah carries him to the end and takes care of him. He walks the rest of the way. Get this. Well, before I get there, so like in in modern day, what we've just seen is you saw someone in a car accident on the side of the highway. Yeah. And you called 911. Like you took the time to stop, care for them, call 911, wait for the authorities to get there. Okay, like that's about what we've seen thus far. Okay, but get this. Verse 35, the next day we stayed overnight with this person. Yeah. The next day he took out two denarii. That's a that's like a day's wage, right? That's a crap ton of money. Yeah. A denarii is one day's wage. And so, as I said, the story here begins with the traveling of the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And the man is robbed. Right. That's common to that setting. Like, people commonly would have been robbed. And so, when they're traveling that road, it's unlikely that they would have been traveling with any more money than that. Yeah. That's two days' wages. Yeah. A denarii is about one day's wage. So, that's two days' wages. He took out both, two denarii, everything he had, presumably, and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Mm. So I've given you all I have. I've got to now go home because I found you on the way to somewhere. So I've taken you where I was headed. I've bypassed my agenda. I've now got to go home to get more money. And when I come back, I'll give you whatever else you need. Yeah. In the contemporary culture, not only have we called 911, we've went with them in the ambulance, we've seen them through recovery, and we've paid the hospital bill. Mm. Like I, I, I want our listeners to hear that. In contemporary society, we've seen them on the side of the highway. We've called 911. We've waited for the ambulance to get there. 
We've ridden in the ambulance with them. We've seen them in the waiting room through surgery. We've waited with them in the room through recovery, and we've paid the hospital bill. Yeah. That's what Jesus has just described here. And if that doesn't tug on your heartstrings, what does? And Jesus says to him, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said to him, the one who showed him mercy. Mm. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Mm. Now, if mm. that story, my preacher hasn't come out of me so much that you know where I'm headed. A democratic agenda is to have proper health care for every individual. Yeah. I see that present in this story. Yeah. Like I see that present in this story that that people of means have made a way for people who are hurting yeah. in need of health care and provision. Like I just I see that in the story. It's just what's present here. You you can't not see it. I don't think so. Um it, it's fundamentally the idea that that everyone deserves health care. Yeah. It, it is a human right. It is a pro-life issue. Absolutely. And we talked about that last week. And if you didn't catch that last week, listener, um, go back and listen. Go back and two. listen to that episode. Um, you, you, you need to hear that. Um, but, it's so intense and, and so crazy when you think about the, the picture that Jesus is painting there and try to put it into a modern context. Um, it almost makes you want to cry a bit because it's well, just but, so beautiful. But what makes it, so is it the beauty that makes you want to cry? Because for me, it's the detriment of the person hearing the story that makes me want to cry. Because he says, when Jesus asked him, who's the one that show, who's the one that was a neighbor? And he yeah. says, the one who showed him mercy. He hates this person so much that he can't even say his name. He can't identify him as the person that he is as a Samaritan. Yeah. He says, the person who showed him mercy. The most ambiguous answer you could give that actually says what you're trying to say. Yeah. This person, this person doesn't want the answer that Jesus has given him. No. In the same way that Republicans are dead set. Yeah. That if you don't work, it's okay if you don't have health care. Like, it's the same thing. And I'm sorry to our Republican friends. We're going to pick on our Democrat friends next week. But, like, it's just a matter of fact. Read your Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's a matter of human right. Um, I think a, a part of the Republican agenda against public health care um, money well yes money um, but if we take it back to its roots it goes back to the the founding of America at Plymouth Rock you don't work you don't eat oh yeah yeah, yeah. Right? so so um, yeah. 
if that's my opinion, I have nothing to back that up, but yeah. it just makes sense, right? And, yeah. And, and so, let's get that real clear. Food is a human right too. Yeah, food, healthcare, quality of life are all pro-life issues. And you can't, you can't get those things unless people give them to you if you're a foreigner. Mm, yep. If you are a foreigner, you have to receive those from someone else. Yep. Yep. For sure. Um, anyways, we're way over the normal time here. Yep. For sure. Um, but it's a conversation worth having. Yes, it is. Um, it was a beautiful conversation. I think it was great. Thank you, listener, um, for 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 coming on this journey with us um, and, and sticking out this forty minutes and five seconds now. <laughs> um, it it was a, a crazy crazy talk that was just amazing, and we're so glad that you were able to come on this with us. And we hope you join us next week yeah. for uh, a furthering on the other side. It, if you listen to this, please come and, and dial in next week too. Yep, for sure. Because if you're a Republican and you feel hurt or betrayed or, or, or attacked, come back next week and we promise. We're going to do the same thing to the other side. Yes. And if you're a Democrat and, and you're feeling like oh yeah i've got everything right <laughs> yeah come, come back, back next, next week. week we're gonna check that reality real quick <laughs> um anyways thank you so much cullen for talking with us about that absolutely i um, enjoyed it i hope it challenged our listeners and i hope they uh pursue christ likeness in their politics uh, I haven't heard Cullen preach live like that in a while. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and you guys are getting something real special. He doesn't do that for the Sunday morning sermons. <laughs> That's true. Um, that was real special. Anyways, thank you guys so much for, for listening.